And a good morning and welcome to the Mecca Sports Talk. I'm your host, Keith Dewar, for this Saturday, February the 5th, 2022. And you want to talk about a whirlwind of a week in the world of sports. Man, oh man, unbelievable. Between two more very exciting NFL playoff games, everything that's gone on now this week with the Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL and a couple of teams. Tom Brady, by the way, oh yeah, he retired. Oh yeah, by the way, the end of the end of Major League Baseball is still in a lockout, which is ridiculous. Oh yeah, by the way, the Olympics started. The Nets and the Knicks can't win a game to save their life. And the NBA trade deadline's coming up, a big a very good deal for the uh, the Clippers yesterday. Getting Powell and Covington from Portland basically for a bag of beans. And right now, look, starting with these conference title games, all week I've been trying to decipher whether or not did Cincinnati win that game or did Kansas City lose that game? And, you know, you, you could certainly make a legitimate argument that Kansas City lost that game because they they got greedy at the end of the first half. Instead of kicking the field goal, they tried to go for a touchdown and it bit him in the rear end. And they ultimately didn't score anything. And they would have been up by 14 rather than 11. And ultimately it screwed them up because at the end of the game, they could have kicked a field goal to win. But that's not what happened. And ultimately, in my opinion, Cincinnati won that game. You know, you're down 18 points on the road in a conference title game. You have no business winning that game. Period. You know, the only other time you've seen an 18-point comeback was the Colts at home against the Patriots many, many moons ago with Peyton Manning in town in in Indianapolis. But Cincinnati, look, Joe Burrow we know already is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And also, you know, I I made a a boo-boo last week by not including uh, one quarterback among these elite young QBs in the AFC. You know, I mentioned Burrow. I mentioned Herbert. I mentioned Josh Allen. I mentioned Mahomes, obviously. But there's one other guy uh, who belongs in that equation. You know, he only won an MVP. Lamar Jackson. I mean, I know last year was a lost year for him because of injuries, etc. But you don't win an MVP by accident. So he surely as hell belongs on that list. Of those five really good quarterbacks in the AFC right now. But when you look at this game, Josh, excuse me, Joe Burrow made some unbelievable plays getting out of the pocket, getting out of the grasp of a couple of defenders in Kansas City, getting a first down, getting out of bounds, getting out of trouble. He made some unbelievable plays. I mean, the kid is for real, no doubt about it. In his second full year, you know, and basically half of his first year was lost because of the ACL tear in his knee. But the guy made some unbelievable plays. And all the credit in the world to Cincinnati. You don't just win by accident. 
you know, yeah, they had the the interception in the second half to get them back in it. And then, of course, the interception in overtime, which ironically, you know, everybody was whining about Kansas City getting the ball against Buffalo and Buffalo never getting it in the playoff game. Well, Kansas City threw an interception in overtime. You know, that's how things work. Your defense needs to do something. You know, there's two sides of the, of the, of the field. Offense and the defense. You know, everybody wants to be critical of the overtime rules. Well, it bounced the other way in the conference title game in Kansas City. In the favor of the team on the road. So, you know, Cincinnati deserves more credit than Kansas City deserves criticism. Although, let's be real. Everybody wants to sit and anoint Kansas City. Oh, you know, they're close to being a dynasty and this and that. Realistically, are they the the 70s Steelers? Are they the 80s 49ers? Are they the 90s Cowgirls? Are they the 2000s Patriots? The answer is no. You know, and yeah, in a four-year span, they've lost two title games at home. They won a Super Bowl, and they lost a Super Bowl. So they're close, maybe, if you want to look at it from that perspective, that in a four-year span, they've had that those type of situations occur. But I'm not putting them on that level. And why, sh- why should anybody put them on that level? You know, there's really no excuse to be losing a conference title game at home in general. Let alone two in a four-year span. And one of them when you were up 18 points in the fourth quarter. And the other one that you lost, you had the game won. And if it wasn't for your defensive player being offsides, you would have won that game. So, you know, Kansas City's that close to being put on that level with those teams I mentioned from prior decades. But a break here, a break there, or a brain cramp here and a brain cramp there, they're not quite at that level. And sure, if they win a Super Bowl next year or the following year, you're going to have all the pundits out there calling them a dynasty. And I, you know, I don't know if I would put them quite on that level. Yeah, you got an amazing quarterback, and you got an amazing tight end, and you got, obviously, Tyreek Hill as well. But I'm not putting them on the level of those other dynasty type of teams. I'm not doing that. So Kansas City, I mean, yeah, they shot themselves in the foot. But rest assured, Cincinnati earned that win in Kansas City. And Joe Burrow, yeah, he's going to have his hands full against the, against the Rams. So, it's going to be one heck of a uh a tough time for him dealing with that front four of the Rams. And if Cincinnati could get him any protection whatsoever, Cincinnati very well could win that game in the Super Bowl. So we'll see how that goes. And I don't care the games in L.A. It don't matter. Yeah, the Rams are technically a home team for that game. But right now, look. Cincinnati deserves to be in the Super Bowl. They've earned their their spot. And they're going to give it a go. 
as they go for their first Super Bowl championship. Now, in the NFC, again, look, the, the 49ers, I know people are like, well, you know, they should have won. They dropped a gimme interception and this and that. You know, not for nothing, people seem to forget the fact the Rams had the ball at the three-yard line of the 49ers early on through an interception. So they lost out on at least three points and maybe seven right there. And they had a, they had a gimme touchdown to the rookie from Notre Dame. I forget his name. He had the ball in the end zone. He dropped the ball. So at worst, the Rams blew 10 points or 14 points right there. So everybody wants to get on the 49er guy in the secondary for dropping the uh, the interception. But, you know, without those things happening, we're not even talking about that. So the 49ers, look. And, you know, Garoppolo's probably played his last game in San Francisco. And I sure as hell don't want him on the Giants. And I know the guy had a thumb injury. And I know he had a bum shoulder. And this and that. But, again, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Garoppolo's. I'm just not. And yeah, the guy's been a winner and what and, and everything and, and he's uh, he's done a good job. The 49ers got close to winning a Super Bowl against Kansas City a couple of years ago. But I I'm just, you know, I'm not a believer in him. I'm just not. And I sure as hell don't want him anywhere close to the Giants if they ever decided to make a change at quarterback. Which at this stage it doesn't seem like that's gonna happen because now you got Dables the head coach. They wanted to bring an offensive coach in to try to solve the conundrum known as Daniel Jones. And we'll see how that goes. But finishing recapping this 49er Rams game, you know, the Rams we know are all in. You know, they they sacrificed their future beyond belief to try to get to a Super Bowl, and they have. Now, whether that ultimately catapults them to winning a Super Bowl, that remains to be seen because Cincinnati is Cincinnati's not going to be a pushover by any stretch. And don't be surprised if Cincinnati actually wins. But Matthew Stafford, hey, that trade worked out, obviously. The guy went from an albatross in Detroit basically to the pedestal now in LA. And you look at the Rams... They got that front four on defense. The offensive line hmm, could be a little bit of an issue. But, and of course, you know, on the running side of things, you don't know what you're going to get from, from Akers. You know, he has a fumbleitis. And, and of course, with Sony Michelle, you know, they're going to have to basically figure out some sort of playing time situation with the two of them in the Super Bowl. I think you're going to see more of Sony Michelle, to be honest. But the Rams, hey, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham. We'll see if Higby is healthy, ultimately a tight end. That's a big loss if they don't have him for the Super Bowl. Same thing on the other side of the equation for Cincinnati. They need Ozuma for, for their tight end in the Super Bowl, but Looking less likely he's going to play. And again, the Rams found a way to win at home. I thought they were the better team. I picked them to to win. Oh, I picked them to win, but I picked the 49ers to cover. And I wound up going 2-0. and Now 9-3 and in the postseason. I guess when the uh, the lights are on, 
you know, I decide to uh, to end up winning more games than lose in the, in the postseason by a wide margin. So happy at least for that. But we got ourselves an interesting Super Bowl. Cincinnati and the Rams. I don't know how many people would have picked that one at the start of the postseason. You know, both the number four seeds. So, again, we'll see what happens next Sunday in L.A. between the Bengals and the Rams. Now, on this Brian Flores situation, and I'm not even going to call it a situation. I mean, let's call it for what it's worth. The NFL, we know, talks out of both sides of their mouth. You know, this Rooney rule is total, utter garbage. It's a waste of time. You know, people, the, the, the all the owners... I mean, they 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 want to circumvent the system, make sure that they bring in a minority candidate for an interview just so they could fulfill the Rooney rule. And most of the time, these guys don't have a, head sh- a, a chance in hell of getting the job. You know, again, the situation in the NFL right now is is really a joke. It really is. You know, don't sit there and tell me that there should there's only there should only be one head coach that's black in the NFL. That's that's crap. Mike Tomlin's a phenomenal head coach. He has a track record. He also has a real he's also on a really good franchise because the Steelers, look, they've had three head coaches in like 53 years. You had Chuck Knoll, you had Bill Cower, and now you got Mike Tomlin. Three head coaches in 53 years. Which is unbelievable to fathom. But don't sit there and tell me, you know, people are out there talking about what Brian Flores isn't a good head coach. In what world are you living in? I know they had a seven-game losing streak earlier in the year in Miami. But tell me how many teams in the NFL also had a seven-game winning streak this past year. And I don't care who you play. I don't care if you play in the Giants every week. The Jets every week, the Lions every week, the Jaguars every week. I don't care who you're playing. You don't win seven games in a row by accident in the NFL. You don't. And you want proof of it? Go look at Indianapolis, what they did the last week of the season against Jacksonville. Or what Tennessee did at home against the Texans earlier in the year. Or the Jets beating Cincinnati, the team that's in the Super Bowl. They beat, the Jets beat Cincinnati earlier in the year. You know, they like to say any given Sunday. Well, that's how it goes. So again, you don't win seven games by accident. And Miami is not blessed with the world the, the world of talent on that team. So to sit there and talk about Brian Flores isn't a good head coach is, is crap. I wanted him as the head coach of the Giants. You know, and I understand why they went with Dable, because they wanted an offensive guru, so to speak, to try to fix Daniel Jones. Fine. You know, Brian Flores is pointing out the hypocrisy that's been going on in the league for years and years and years. And you want proof of it? Go look at Colin Kaepernick. And I know there's people that disagree with the whole kneeling thing and blah, blah, blah. He hasn't played a single snap in the NFL since that whole thing occurred. Or the year after, that was it. He never played another down in the NFL. 
And whether that means now that Brian Flores is not going to get a shot at a head coaching job in the NFL going forward, well, that remains to be seen. But he's standing up for what he thinks is right. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we know the Rooney rule is total garbage. You know, and I don't care if you're white, you're black, you're blue, you're green, you're yellow, you're red, whatever. I don't care. Just hire the best candidate. But don't make it out to be a token interview for a minority candidate to satisfy a rule that, quite frankly, is is utter garbage. There should be more than one black head coach in the NFL, one minority head coach in the NFL. Period. Don't sit there and tell me that Brian Flores shouldn't be one of the 32 head coaches in the NFL. That's total crap. And you've seen how many situations occur, you know, like Romeo Cornell or Hugh Jackson. They get thrown into a situation where they basically, you know, the owner the owner is basically like, all right, go out there and win 10 games, but you know what? We got a crap 53-man roster. I don't care. Go out there and win. You know, you don't give the guy any resources to win. Then how the hell you're giving him, you're putting him in a no-win situation right from the get-go. You know, and we've seen that how many times. Go look in Houston, too. They brought in the new head coach. He got fired after one year. He's black. It's total crap. You put him in a no-win situation. You know Deshaun Watson isn't playing this year. Oh, but go out there and win games. Yeah, did you give him any resources to try? No. So if you're not providing it, you're not providing a person a chance. And the guy happens to be black, by the way, and he's not providing him a chance. It makes it even worse. Are you doing the same thing for a white head coach? Or are you giving the, the white head coach a longer leash than a black head coach? You've seen how many examples of this now over the years in the NFL. And like I said, I, I go back to the point from the very beginning talking about this. Is that the NFL talks out of both sides of their mouth. And that's never going to change. You know, and, it, and this whole thing with Brian Flores now talking about, hey, Scott Ross offered me $100,000 a game to lose. I mean, if that's true, Scott Ross has to be out as owner of the Dolphins, period. Case closed. Now, whether the Giants already decided on Brian Dable, you know, the Belichick text messages and this and that, you know, ultimately... I mean, the Giants already had already brought in Leslie Frazier for an interview, and he's black. Now, sure, if I'm Brian Flores, and I know going into an interview that I have no chance at the job because they've already decided on things, that's that's crap. I'd be pissed, too, if I were him. You know, but this is much bigger than that at the end of the day. This goes back to this stupid Rooney rule. You know, Eric Bieniemy. This guy has been an offensive guru for years, and I know it's really him and, and Andy Reid calling the plays, etc. How has he not had a head coaching job? I sure as hell would love him on the Giants, too. You know, we'll ultimately see about Brian Dable. I don't know what he's going to be. You know? Clean slate, fine. But fixed his goddamn franchise. 
But right now, again, Flores has a legitimate gripe as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if he was, you know, with the with the owner, with the GM in Miami. Yeah, did they disagree on the assistant coaches and, and, and whatnot? Or was he even having conversation with the coaches the last several weeks of the year? They're talking about he didn't really have much communication with them, Flores. But again, the proof is in the pudding. They were one in seven. They finished nine and eight. And if there was that much controversy with this team, then you are you going to sit there and tell me that they would be they would they would have ended up with a winning record? Go look at the Nets right now in the NBA. They're in disarray. That team, and I know they're missing Durant, but you still got two superstars in. In Harden and, and Irving. And they can't win a game. That team is in disarray. So if the Dolphins were in such supposed disarray. Then how the hell did they end up winning. Eight of their last nine games. And not with the world of talent. That a lot of these other teams have. So as far as I'm concerned. If these allegations are true, for example, with with Scott Ross in Miami, the owner, he's got to go. But I think what we also need to do at the same time, too, is let all the facts come out and then make a, a rational decision after that or give a rational opinion after that. I mean, if these if these allegations are true, then you know what? As I said, Scott Ross has to go, and that's the end of it. You know, the other problem in the NFL, too, is you got 30, basically, 30 white owners. And you have also the Jacksonville owner, who's, I forget what he is exactly, Persian or something like that. And then the Packers are basically publicly owned. So that's a problem also. So, you know, at the end of the day, hey, Goodell works for these for all these owners. The culture has been what it's been. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I just want to see the best candidates get the job. And if you did, and I don't care what the hell ethnicity you are, I could care less. Just hire the best candidate. But don't circumvent the stupid rule that they have in place right now. Oh, we're going to bring in Leslie Frazier. Oh, we're going to bring Brian Flores in. Oh, we're going to bring Eric Bieniemy in for an interview just for, you know what, for for... S's and giggles. That's not how it works. Hire the best candidate. But at the same time too. Understand that. In the NFL right now. You got one black head coach. And that is a big. Friggin stain. On the league. And he's one of the elite coaches. In the league. Period. And probably will go to the Hall of Fame someday. Probably should probably should be already in the Hall of Fame, to be honest. Or close to it. With the sustained success that the Steelers have had all these years. I mean, it also helps you had a good quarterback. A Hall of Fame quarterback all these years, too. But even with that being said, the Steelers have never had a losing record under Mike Tomlin. But, again... You know, the Saints, the Texans, they still have a job opening. One of them should be hiring Flores. 
I mean, because who the hell else are you putting out there? Josh McCown, who has no NFL experience, no head coaching experience? He has zero. Why the hell is he getting a job or, or should get a job over Flores? Who, again, like I said, Miami was not blessed with a world of talent. And the guy wins seven games in a row? Again, who, how many teams in the NFL, NFL had a seven-game winning streak this year? Go ahead and name them. Because you're not going to find many of them out there. And you have Tua as your quarterback? And I, I certainly as hell don't love him as the quarterback. So, again, right now we'll see how this all plays out. Let's wait and see before, you know, we jump to conclusions and, you know, assumptions and this and that. But reality is right now, I mean, if Flores gets blackballed and he doesn't get another job in the NFL, then to me that's just disgraceful. So we'll see how everything plays out in regards to that. So yeah, by the way, Tom Brady retired. You know, just another QB. Seven Super Bowls. Ten Super Bowl appearances. Eight gazillion yards passing. You know, 600-something touchdowns. Yeah, he wasn't too bad, was he? A sixth-round pick? And ends up with that kind of resume. Not bad. Not bad at all. You know, you want to think of some guys that were not highly drafted that ended up being unbelievable talents or Hall of Fame talents. You know, you have to think about that quite a bit to find, to find guys like that. You know, Mike Piazza was a 63rd round pick, I think, for the Dodgers many moons ago and ended up being a Hall of Famer. Should have been first ballot, by the way, but whatever. Um, but Tom Brady, hey, look. Everybody wants to be critical of him, and I'm one of them. You know, he's on the upper echelon or or the Mount Rushmore of the NFL. You want to put him up there? You know, Belichick's talking about he's the greatest NFL player in history. I don't agree with that because I, I would put Jim Brown probably there. And I would certainly put LT up there. You know, Brady has the benefit you know, when you want to do comparisons to him and like Joe Montana as example, and as a, as an example, Montana had a much shorter career and a much shorter peak because of injuries. And the only major injury that you ever saw Brady uh, have is that knee injury, the first game after that sixteen and O regular season that they had in in two thousand seven. 2008 opener against Cincinnati against um, Kansas City, he tore his knee up. But aside from that, Brady had a relatively injury-free career, and that has to be taken into account. You know, and all this stuff. I mean, the the ESPN was reporting it over the weekend last week that he was going to retire, and and this and that, and in. You know, ultimately it took a couple of extra days for Brady to kind of set the record straight with that. You know, he he deserves to do all this on his accord. Not, you know, ESPN or Adam Schefter or whoever, Ian Rappaport. Nobody like that. Should be on Brady's terms. 
So don't like how that how that all ended up. But hey, you want to talk about now the the guys that kind of carried the league for the last 15, 20 years, you know, they're all gone now, basically, except for Aaron Rodgers. You know, Peyton Manning's gone, Phillip Rivers is gone, Ben Roethlisberger's gone, Tom Brady's gone, Eli Manning's gone. You know, and all of them are heading to the Hall of Fame, or are in the Hall of Fame already. So that, you know, again, Tom Brady, unbelievable career, what else is there really to say? You know, he could have he could easily have a 10 and 0 record in the Super Bowl. On the other hand, too, he could probably have like a 3 and 7 record in the Super Bowl if a play here, a play there. You know, they were fortunate to win the Seattle Super Bowl. They were fortunate to win the first Rams Super Bowl. They were fortunate to win obviously the the Falcons Super Bowl. The Panthers Super Bowl was a three-point game. The Eagles Super Bowl, the first one was a a field goal game, I believe, three or four points. So, you know, break here, break there, and Brady's career could be totally different. And obviously the whole tuck rule thing, too. You know, if if that doesn't occur, and they call out a fumble, and the Raiders recover it in the snowstorm, and they win that game... Tom Brady man they may never ever ended up as anything. Because you could probably bet that the Patriots would have gone back to Drew Bledsoe the next year because he had a bloated contract. So again, unbelievable career comes to a close for Brady. You would figure the Buccaneers are going to be a vastly different franchise next year. Gronkowski, is he going to come back? Is Godwin going to come back? So expect a lot of changes uh, down in Tampa for the Buccaneers. Now, a couple of days ago, the MLB owners decided that they wanted federal mediation for the lockout that's that's been ongoing now since December in Major League Baseball. And... The players' union came back and said, "We don't want that." So right now they're at a, they're at an impasse because all these economic issues that MLB owners and and the players are arguing about seems to be not resolvable, according to both ends to both sides of the equation. And right now, you know, hey, they have billions of dollars. Billions with a B that they're trying to split up. And these guys can't figure it out. You know, it is totally disgraceful what's going on in baseball. You know, we know their marketing issues are a big issue because they don't market their talent properly. You know, they don't market Mike Trout properly. They don't market Max Scherzer properly. They don't market Shohei Otani properly. They don't market any of these guys properly. But let's sit here and argue about arbitration and about revenue sharing. 
and about free agency. Yeah, we, we you know, we're just going to keep on arguing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth and get nothing done. Spring training is going to get delayed. And God forbid regular season games get delayed. Then, holy smokes. You know then the S will hit the fan then. But again, MLB, the Players Union, and I understand why they don't want federal mediation. Because they don't want it to make it look like that they're settling. Because the Players Union knows. And they did, they've dug in deeply into all this. They got hosed that last collective bargaining agreement. And they do not want that to happen again. And if they settle for federal mediation, it feels like a defeat on their end. Or, you know, that they're settling. And that's not what they want to do. They're dug in. They want what they want. And quite frankly, MLB owners want what they want. You know, and again, this is not, this is really nothing to do with Manfred because Manfred works for these owners at the end of the day. So he's just the mouthpiece for them. But these guys have got to come up with a solution. The last thing MLB needs is to have a reduced spring training and a reduced regular season. That's the last thing in the world that they need right now. But rest assured, unless we start seeing some significant progress very soon, that's exactly what we're going to get. And it's a disgrace. You know, and not for nothing too. You know, there's rumors that the Mets, when they when they do come back from this lockout, the Mets are talking about getting another significant hitter and another significant pitcher which will push their payroll probably over $300 million, which is insanity. But, you know, MLB needs to figure out a way to avoid the have-nots from tanking and from the haves to just have an exorbitant payroll and the only sort of negative thing that you put towards them is a luxury tax. You know, there really needs to be a floor And there really needs to be a hard ceiling at the end of the day. And that's why you see like in the NFL, you see you have the the salary cap, you can't go over that number, and that's the end of it. And that's why you see so much parity. You know, did anybody pick Cincinnati to get to the Super Bowl this year? I highly doubt it. Even the most hardcore Bengals fan wouldn't have done that in September. So we know MLB has a a ton of problems with parity. I mean, I know, yeah, teams like Oakland and Tampa who don't have the highest payrolls in the world, they end up they have ended up being successful, sustained success for the last several years. But even with that being said, they can't keep their talent. You know, Oakland can't keep Matt Olson forever. You've seen what Tampa Bay has done with all these trades that they've made over the years because they know they can't keep their their stars. And they got to get rid of them before they hit free agency or well before free agency. So a lot of these things, you know, MLB ownership wants reduced revenue sharing and and whatnot. And again, they've got to come to the table, both sides, and figure this out. 
and stop with the BS and come to an agreement that's, that satisfies both sides, maybe not completely, but both sides need to have some concessions in all this. But if they want to dig in and cause spring training and regular season games to be canceled or postponed, then you got one hell of a problem on your hands. Because this isn't going to be the same situation as what happened 25 plus years ago. Because 25 plus years ago, you were already in the middle of the steroid era. And after you came back from that 94 strike, and you had that 144 game schedule in 1995, you were in the middle of that steroid era. And Bud Selig, who was in the Hall of Fame, but yet Barry Bonds and, and, and Roger Clemens are not. Bud Selig turned the other cheek and let these guys just bulk up to beyond belief and didn't give a crap. You know, and you had the Maguire-Sosa thing in 98. You had the Barry Bonds thing in 2001. And then everything kind of hit the fan after that, slowly but surely, with the Mitchell Report. And then everything that's occurred the last several years. You know, and A-Rod had a couple of long suspensions, etc. But you can't go back to that. You lose regular season games this year. You're not going to sit there and turn the other cheek anymore. With regards to steroids, especially, or PEDs. Because you still got guys getting suspended now. Robbie Cano got suspended again last year. So, again, so you don't have that excuse, per se, or something to save baseball, or something to get the fans back in the seats, etc. You want to get the fans back in the seats, come to a friggin' agreement before spring training games get cancelled, and God forbid before regular season games get cancelled. Both sides won't be happy, ultimately, with the result of the, of the CBA, but they need to figure things out. Tony Clark and Manfred and the owners... And everybody else involved need to sit down, lock the door, and figure it out. And come to a friggin' agreement. Because baseball does not need games canceled. You know, they've already fallen fallen way behind the NFL with regards to marketing and regards to popularity, etc., but they, they sure as hell, and the NBA is ahead of them too, because look what the NBA does. They market their superstars. And the NBA is is popular, regardless of what you how you feel about the league, you know, being too three-point eccentric and and whatnot. But MLB has a major problem on their hands right now. And if they are not careful, you're gonna see even bigger problems occur. So they have got to get their act together and come to an agreement as soon as possible. And hell, if you're a Met fan, you want that to happen too because you want to lose a, a half a year or a year out of Max Scherzer off a bit? Sure as hell don't. The guy's not 25 years old anymore. You know, a lot of teams are obviously hoping that maybe things stretch out for a while with the lockout since they have no chance to compete anyway. But if you're a Met fan, for example, you know, you're kind of thinking, hey, we're all in. We got to win now, as soon as possible. 
So we'll see how that all plays out. But again, MLB ownership and the, and the players union, get your ass in the friggin' office somewhere. Do it remotely. Do it whatever you want. Just come to an agreement already. Enough. Enough of the, the posturing. Enough of the nonsense. Just come to a damn agreement already. And that's it. Period. Now, as far as uh, the NBA goes, while well, the trade deadline's coming up, we're going to see if the Knicks wind up doing anything. We'll see if the Nets wind up doing anything. And right now, you know, the bigger problem, in, in lo- locally speaking, among the two NBA teams in New York are the Nets. And you would think the Knicks are a bigger problem, but right now the Nets are in free fall. They've lost seven in a row. They got blown out last night in Utah. And now there's rumors that cut, that James Harden might be dealt. And I, I think there's a lot of in-house issues with the Nets. And a lot of it has to do with the Kyrie Irving situation with the COVID vaccine nonsense. Whether he wants to take it, whether he doesn't want to take it. Whatever the case may be with that. Obviously continuity is an issue because you haven't had... You've only had, I think you've had less than 20 games of Harden, Durant, and Irving on the floor at the same time with the Nets since that all they all came together. Because of injury, because of the vaccine, hesitation from Kyrie. And I think, you know, Harden, who obviously wore out his welcome in Houston, I think he kind of, you know, said, I had enough of all this. You know, and there's talk of a Harden-Simmons type of thing occurring. You know, whether that actually happens or not, who the heck knows. You know, the the Simmons situation in Philadelphia, that's a whole nother thing. You know, he's he's sat out, he's basically lost $20 million already this year in salary because he hasn't played. So again, you know, the Nets right now though, I mean... You know, they had no continuity whatsoever. They're limited talent-wise because Kyrie can only play half the games. Durant is hurt right now. And it's really, there's zero excuse for a guy like James Harden the other night in Sacramento to score four points. Four points? This is not Russell Westbrook who goes for 31 night and three the next. This is James Harden. He's one of the best scorers we've ever seen. The guy gets his own shot. And yeah, you can make whatever, whatever you want to complain about with he gets all these foul calls and this and that, and he likes to, you know, flop around when he goes to the hoop and he got, you know, hit with a machine gun type of thing when he's going to the hoop or acts like he got hit with a machine gun. You know, you could say all that type of nonsense, but he, again... He's one of the best scorers in any generation. And for him to go out there and score four points, you just know that he's kind of had under the assumption that, you know what, I think I've had enough in Brooklyn and I got to go somewhere else. You know, he's kind of checked out. That's kind of what Julius Randle's done too. You know, he's checked out of, of the Knicks at this stage. And they play the Fakers tonight in L.A., in a game that I could care less about. You know, they're sitting there promoting Randall against LeBron, and LeBron, I don't think, is playing. 
And you're going to sit there and promote Julius Randle? Well, I say he could shoot 4 of 18 for 9 points, 4 rebounds, and 7 turnovers in, in uh, 30 minutes? I could care less. You know, but James Harden right now, for this guy, you know, if he gets traded to Philadelphia and joins that team, I mean, look out. I mean, Philadelphia probably, you would imagine, jumps up to number one status in the East. I don't think there's any doubt about it. So if I'm Philadelphia, I mean, because you know you're not going to have Ben Simmons playing, maybe ever again in Philly. So you have the opportunity to get Harden. And I know he's a pain in the ass, you know, and he wears out his welcome and this and that, but... You gotta, you gotta basically sustain that Embiid success, or that ceiling that you have with Embiid on your franchise at his peak play. You gotta do that now. You have to do that now. So if I'm Philly, I jump on this. I jump on the opportunity. Now I don't know if there'll be draft picks involved in this and that. I'm not sure exactly what Simmons' salary is in in comparison to Harden's. Because obviously you have to kind of match that up also. But right now, if you're if you're Philly, you have to jump on that opportunity. And if you're Brooklyn, hey, to me the handwriting's on the wall, really, with this team. You know, is Kyrie gonna bother getting the vaccine or not? Who the heck knows? But you could see, obviously, that this team, and you know, and everybody knows it, but that this team Runs through Kevin Durant. Who's undoubtedly their best player. Bar none. No doubt about it. You see what they've done since he's been out. And yeah, you've seen flashes of Harden. You know, have a triple-double. Play unbelievably. But then to come out on a random night against Sacramento. Who can't play defense to save their life. And score four points. Totally inexcusable. So the Nets right now are a total mess. And it's ironic that we're sitting there, that I'm sitting here talking about them being the bigger mess than the Knicks. Who right now, they can't get out of their own way either. They still can't win at home. Now they're going out to the West Coast. You got the NBA trade deadline coming up. What are the Knicks going to do? Are they going to trade Randall? Maybe. Are they going to trade Evan Fournier? Are they going to trade Kemba Walker? You know, and it's amazing too. Watching that game the other night against Memphis. And I know they got Ja Morant who is, if not the MVP, he's definitely top two or three with probably Embiid and maybe Jokic. Something along those lines. But you look at the role players on Memphis and you just say to yourself, man... Why the hell don't the Knicks have these kind of role players on their team? Because you look around up and down the Knicks roster. I mean, tell me who you think is a great role player on the Knicks. Really? Who is? You know, R.J. Barrett's supposed to be a star at this point by now. He's a, he's a, he was a number three pick. And there's still nights that he disappears. Now, he's shown more, consistent, uh, more consistency this year than in... The other couple of years he's been a Nick, but there's still nights out there that he doesn't show up. 
But I don't view him as a role player. He's supposed to be one of the guys. But if you look up and down that roster, you know, you look at their bench. Quickly, he's regressed this year. Now, maybe it's because he played a little less. So he hasn't had the consistent playing time. But either, even with that being said, he's too inconsistent. Way too inconsistent. You know, Obi Toppin, he's limited in what he can do. Because again, he's only getting about 13, 14, 15 minutes of playing time. I'd like to see him get more time. Can we get Cam Reddish to play, Thibodeau? Can we get Cam Reddish to play? Why does his ass have to sit on the bench every game? Get him in the damn game and play. I could care less about no, uh, Noel or uh, whoever else that you want to... Th- or, or Taj Gibson. I could care less about these guys. Get the friggin' kid on the floor and see what he could do. I could care less about these other role players that they have. I don't care about friggin' Alec Burks. Who the hell cares? Get Cam Reddish on the floor. Otherwise, what the hell do we trade him trade for him for? You know, tip it all with his rotations. It's like, get the damn kid in there, see what he could do, give him some legitimate playing time, and take it from there. You know, just trade these other guys otherwise. Trade Burks. Trade friggin' Evan Fournier. Kemba Walker. Trade these guys. You know, you could see all these offseason signings the Knicks did to bring Rose back, to sign Fournier, to sign Walker, to sign Randall. Nothing's worked out. Taj Gibson, Noel, nothing. Every single one of those things hasn't worked out. Every single one. You know, Fournier, yeah, he could shoot the three. He can't play defense to save his life. I play better defense than him. So, you know, again, they're another albatross right now. You know, the Nets are a mess. The Knicks are a mess. And with the NBA trade trade deadline coming up, we'll see how things play out. You know, go look what the Clippers did, getting Powell and Covington basically for a bag of beans. They made a really good trade. Powell signed for another four years. A couple of other wingmen that the Clippers can use. To add some flexibility to their team, it was a good trade for them. Now, can the Knicks do something like that? Or, you know, if you're a Nets fan, can the Nets do something like that? And improve their team at the trade deadline. I mean, hey, the Nets, the Nets have got to do something. If you gotta, if you gotta harden who's not happy then you better try to do something now because he's going to pick up and leave otherwise. And you're not going to get anything for him. And that also means then you're going to have a pretty unhappy Durant and a pretty unhappy Irving. So the window for the Nets is very, very thin. That window of opportunity is very, very thin. And right now, if you're a Knicks fan, there is no opportunity. The opportunity is there to make a couple of trades, maybe, and press the reset button again because you had your big sustained success of one season. 
And now you press the reset button, you start over again, and you figure things out. Because the Knicks are sure as hell ain't winning with this team as constructed right now. They're not. And as, as I said, if you're Thibodeau, get Cam Reddish on the floor. I don't want to see his rear end on the bench. I want him to play. So let him play and cut the crap with Alec Burks and Noel and Taj Gibson and these other stiffs coming off the bench. I could care less about that. You know, Grimes is a three-point shooter. He does nothing else. And he plays okay defense. Fine. You know, Toppin is what he is. Quickly is what he is. Let's see what Cam Reddish could do. Why the hell not? What do you got to lose at this point? You're not going anywhere anyway. So, just a total mess with both both of the local teams. And by the way, you know, Phoenix lost the other night against the Hawks uh, on Friday. Or on Thursday, excuse me. But Phoenix is just, I mean, again, look. Look at their role players that they have. And look at the role players that a team like the Knicks have. And that's why you see a team like Phoenix as good as they are, and you see a team like the Knicks as inconsistent and crappy as they are. So for all the praise that we wanted to give Leon Rose and 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 the Knicks basketball operations for doing what they did last year, yeah, 41 and 31, had a great finish to the season, and then laid an egg against the Hawks in the playoffs, and now it's back to normal with the Knicks sucking ass, as usual. I'm sick and tired of it. And damn it, if I see Cam Reddish sitting in that bench one more game, I'm going to lose my mind. Get him on the friggin' floor already! So just to put a bow on everything for today, if you care, the Olympics started last night. You know, and I'm not too thrilled with even seeing the American athletes competing with all the BS with China and everything. You know, they really should not even be there at this stage. But it is what it is. You know, hopefully they do well. Hopefully they got... Hopefully their their information doesn't get compromised or anything like that by, by the CCP. I mean, hey, you know, this is serious stuff what's going on right now. I mean, quite frankly, I don't think I don't think the American athletes should have even gone. But, you know, we could turn it into a political discussion, but I'm not going to do that. But reality is right now, does anybody is anybody really happy that we're there? I think if you ask 10 people, the vast majority probably going to say no. And never mind the fact the vast majority are going to say I'm not even going to watch the Olympics. Let alone, root, let alone root for the American athletes there. So, in any case, that's going on now. You got the NHL All-Star break. You got the All-Star game this weekend. You had the skills competition last night, which, you know, nobody cares about. You know, if you're a Rangers fan right now, you know, there's rumors floating around that Claude Giroux going to be on the trade market. Then the Rangers do need a another centerman. So I'd like to see them maybe test the waters and see what they could get for uh, what they gotta give up for Giroux. 
Because the reality is the Rangers need another top six forward on their team to get on that level with the Panthers and the Hurricanes and maybe the Lightning. You know, because, again, you can rely on Shesterkin all you want. And if you're a Rangers fan, you know what this is all about. Because how many years of this did we do with Lundqvist? Where they had limited offensive ability and they had to have Lundqvist stand in his head nearly every single night for the Rangers to have a chance to win. You can't do the same thing with Shesterkin. You have got to get yourself a legitimate another top six forward. Or what they've done now recently is they put Lafreniere on the top line to see what he could do. And honestly, I don't know what's taking him so long to do that. You know, maybe he's the answer. But still, again, you need another sentiment. So if they could get their hands on Giroux, and I know it's going to be hard to trade with Philadelphia. You know, the Rangers, Philly, obviously a great rivalry. I don't know if that's going to happen, but we'll have to see how that plays out. But again, I, I if you could get Giroux, I would, I would go for it right now. Why not? You know, the Rangers maybe could use one more defenseman also. But you kind of figure that the Rangers, who was supposed to be a fringe playoff team this year, they're a contender right now. You know, and if you don't have to give up a ton of young talent to go get a guy like Giroux, and I know he's getting up there in age, but the guy is a is a clutch performer. So I would, you know, if you got to play a team like Carolina or Florida or Tampa Bay, you know, I think you got to do anything you can to try to make a splash and and go for it. Because one year to the next in the NHL, you know, you're talking about one play here, one play there. You can win or lose five, six, seven, eight games. I mean, because look, you know, you have the crummy shootout thing still going on in the NHL. And that sometimes is the difference between making the playoffs and not. The Rangers, that happened to them years ago against Philly when they lost the last game of the regular season in a shootout and it cost them a playoff spot. So again, I don't, you know, I hate the damn shootout. They need to get rid of it. The gimmick crap, I can't stand enough of it. But if you're a Ranger Ranger fan right now, you get Claude Giroux, go for it as far as I'm concerned. If you don't have to give up the, the farm... To go get them, then go do it. So, anyway, with that being the case, I will be back on next week. Obviously, before the Super Bowl, I'll give you my prediction between the Bengals and the Rams. And we'll see how that goes. Should be a good Super Bowl, hopefully. Anybody interested in the halftime show, you have that going on as well, of course. See what the commercials are. I could care less about any of that stuff. I just care about the game. So we'll see how all that transpires. But everybody be safe out there. Enjoy your weekend. I will talk to you next week. Before Super Bowl 56. Between the Bengals and the Rams. Of course if you want to listen. You can follow me on Instagram at the Mecca Sports Talk. On Facebook at the same. On Spotify. You can also Google the Mecca Sports Talk to take a listen. Everybody, enjoy your weekend.